Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Man, I ain't gonna lie. I was I was getting somewhat emotional pacing the rows and praying during worship. I want you to know that I have missed you. It is a joy uh, to get to come and worship with you, my friends. Like, man, and it looks like this place is growing. That's a good thing. Good, good thing. Pastor Mateo. You're doing a good job. My friends, I know that you guys just gave me all the love, but can you stand one more time and show your youth pastor all the love because he's doing a good job. He's doing a good job. He prays for you. He cares for you. And I'm absolutely honored that he would invite me to come and speak with you tonight. If you got your Bible, I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, starting in verse 16. That is where we're going to be this evening. If you were not here last week, Pastor Mateo opened up this series in the book of Galatians. We're in the New Testament after the Gospels. We're here in Paul's arguably his first letter. And last week, Pastor Mateo opened up with this very simple statement. This was the one takeaway that you were supposed to kind of walk away with three simple words last week. It was Jesus is enough. Ooh, you've got listeners. Jesus is enough. Tonight, I want to talk to you about how the Holy Spirit sustains. Holy Spirit sustains. Now, here's the thing. Before we open up this word, I, I want to reemphasize something to you. Christianity, like this, this kind of world-renowned religion that we, we're seeing kind of all over the world. And we're seeing it in all different forms of denominations and all of these different kind of expressions of this faith. At the end of the day, the bottom line, everyone say, bottom line. Bottom line. The bottom line, what our faith is about, what it means to be a Christian is to have a personal, intimate relationship with God. Are you with me? It's not about having a well-ordered life. It's about having a personal, intimate relationship with God. And here's the thing is, I was listening to the message from last week that Pastor Mateo preached. I'm reminded of this. That at the end of the day when we get to open this word, at the end of the day when you get the privilege of gathering every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock and, and coming in here and and praising the name of the Lord your God and opening up the scriptures and being with your friends, being with your brothers and sisters in Christ. What this is all about, the, the whole reason God gave us this, the church, the body of Christ, is so that we could deepen our personal, intimate relationship with God. Are you with me? I'm about to choke right now on my own spit. Our personal, intimate relationship with God. So when we read this text, I want you to read that with that in mind tonight. That the God of the universe, hear me, the God of the universe wants a relationship with you. The God of the universe doesn't want to just know about you. The God of the universe doesn't just want your life to reflect good moral behavior. The God of the universe wants a relationship with you. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there are some in here this evening that don't believe that. And my hope for you tonight is that as you walk outside these doors, you would know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Are you with me? Galatians 2, 
16. Let's read this together and let's pray. Galatians 2, starting in 16, he, Paul says, Yet we know. Everyone say, we know. No. Shout it again, we know. I love the beginning. We're going to take forever tonight. I can't. I, the first three words here pump me up. Yet we know. You know what this means? You know what it means? You know what it means? It means that you and I can know. Think about it. Think about how much of your faith is surrounded by mystery. When somebody asks you a question at school and they go, like, how do you know? How do you know? That God is real. How do you know that God wants a personal relationship with you? How do you know that the God of the universe loves you? And oftentimes we sit our, find ourselves in that kind of odd tension, that gray area of do I know? Is it possible for me to actually know, for me to be sure of this truth? And I love what Paul says here. He starts with, yet we know. We know. There's an absolute truth that you can have an assurance. You can have a, a total confidence in the same way that you know you need air to breathe. You can know the God of the universe. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith. Everyone say faith. If you have a physical Bible, I want you to underline that word. We're going to talk about it a lot tonight. But through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one, everyone say no one, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died. Again, if you're following with me in a Bible, I want you to underline that. I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith. And the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Let's pray. With your eyes closed, you do me a favor and can you just take, let's shoot for three deep breaths. In through the nose, out through the mouth. Holy Spirit, would you come? God, like every other second in our life, from the moment that we were born, from before we were born, until the day we die, and after we die, we need you. Oh God, we need you. The only way that this scripture, that this word will mean anything to us, the only way that this gathering will mean anything to us, 
the only way that your word will mean anything to us is if, Holy Spirit, you come and open our eyes, if you open our ears. Is if you give us new life. Father, I pray that it would be said of us this evening that we would know. We would know beyond a shadow of a doubt you are a God who loves us, who cares for us, who desires relationship with us. So, Father, I first ask for myself, and I ask also for my friends here that you would come and you would reveal yourself to me, you would reveal yourself to us. God, that you would have your way, that you would speak, and that we would submit. Would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear? minds to understand and hearts to believe. And if you're with me tonight, can you say amen? amen. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I got to remember if I know how to do this. Faith, everyone say faith. Faith, 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 faith. faith. This thing we talk about in church, faith. You're not saved by your works, but by grace through what? Faith. Faith. One thing is for sure. That if you're going to have a relationship with God, if you're going to call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you're going to be a believer in the Son of God, you have to have this thing that Scripture talks about all the time, faith, faith. And here's the problem sometimes when we read about faith, when we open our Bibles and we start studying the Scriptures about faith, we start kind of going, what does faith mean? Is it like this belief? Is it, is it this thing that we receive? Is it something that I, I will power? Is it something that's like kind of give, given to me? Is it something that like, you know, some people just have and other people's people don't? Is it something that like you work to attain? Like what is faith? And so what I want to do tonight is I have worked up a very simple definition for faith this evening that we're going to utilize to kind of break down this text. So our definition for faith tonight is simply this. Faith is total dependence in God. Everyone say total dependence. It's not just some dependence. It's not most dependence. It's total dependence. Faith is total dependence. Now with that in mind, I'm going to reread the first couple verses here. And I'm going to swap out the word faith with these two simple words. Total dependence. Galatians 2, 16. Yet we know, everyone say no, no. That a person is not justified by works of the law, but through what? Did you catch that? You're not justified by works of the law. You are justified through total dependence in who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by what? Justified by total dependence in Christ. And not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. What is Paul saying here? What is Paul saying here? That faith, someone is going to be justified not by their ability to do. But by depending. 
We are not going to be justified before the God of the universe by our ability to do, but by depending. Going back to last week, Pastor Mateo was talking about how Jesus is enough. And everything that we see in our world today and everything that Paul was seeing in the church in Galatia that we're going to talk about even more tonight was was he started to see like like, like this, this rich good news start to get diluted. It started to become flavorless. It started to become lukewarm. Why? Because those who began their faith in total dependence, they began their walk with God realizing that it had nothing to do with them and everything to do with God. They began to think, okay, after I've received that, now i got to start adding to the equation, right? Now that I'm in a relationship with God, now that I've given my life to him, now i got to get my life in order. Now i got to do it right. Otherwise, I'm going to live in shame and guilt. I'm going to feel like a hypocrite my entire life because I just can't get it in order. And so all of a sudden, we start doing Jesus plus something, right? We start adding our good works to it. We start adding our money to it. We start adding health, wealth, prosperity to it. We start adding all of our ideas of God to it. This is what Pastor Mateo was getting at last week. He's saying, look, look, no, 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 don't miss it. Jesus is enough. You can depend, and in fact, you have to depend on him and him alone if you're going to have a relationship with the living God. Are you with me? You have to depend on him and him alone. Not what you can do, not what you have to bring to the table, both in your past, not what you bring to the table in your present, and not what you bring to the table in your future. Are you with me? Faith is total dependence. We are justified by total dependence on God. Moving on to verse 17. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners... Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I what? I love this. For through the law, we what? I'm talking to believers right now, right? For through the law, I died. What is the law? What is he saying right here? For through the law, I Died. I, through, this, through this expression, through these commandments, through these, these statutes, these, these limitations that we see in the Old Testament, he says, for through it, I died. Let me, let me give you a translation to what Paul is saying. He's saying, because of the law, I lost all my confidence in myself. You with me? My man Josiah Mezzi, where you at? Josiah Mezzi. He just broke his fibula. Is he still in here? He was sitting back over here. Where you at? Where you at? Wave at me, my goodness. I would say stand up, but you have a broken leg. That's awkward, right? Okay. He, wa- he, wa- he, ca- he comes walking in to the front door. He comes hopping on crutches. I felt so bad for him. I know what that's like. I said, what happened? He said, I broke my fibula. I was like, that's, that's terrible. It's an awful thing. He goes, yeah. I was like, did you get an MRI or did you get an x-ray? And he goes, yeah, man. He pulls out his phone and he shows me this x-ray of his broken fibula. I was like, man, that's tough. <laughs> 
This is what I find fascinating about x-rays, MRIs, all of these sort of like medical instruments. How many of you here have ever had an x-ray before? <laughs> all of the crazy wild children. Is there anybody in here who has never had an x-ray before? Good for you. Good for you. Good for you. You're living your life just totally behind the line, just playing it safe. I got you. Okay, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Walk with me here. When you break your fibula, if you ever break your fibula, has anybody in here ever broken their fibula? Back there? You, got, you guys should go to Dutch Bros after. Have a conversation. Give him some advice, right? Okay, now here's the thing. You break your fibula. You go into an x-ray. You get the x-ray. The doctor walks in, and they got, you know, those, like, horrifying, like, white wall light things that should be in horror movies. You know what I'm saying? Like those things. And they pull out the x-ray of, like, and it looks like a zombie film. And they put it on. And you see that something's broken. Now, here's the good news. When you look at the horrifying photo, you know that something's broken. Are you with me? Here's the problem. The x-ray doesn't have the power to fix it. You with me? Now, pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention. This is what the law does in Scripture. This is what the law does for our lives. What Paul is saying is he's saying, look, when I looked at the law, I realized Something was broken. When I looked at the law and I saw the holiness of God on display, the perfection of God on display, the completely other of God on display, I realized I'm broken. I realized that I have nothing to bring to the table. I realized that all of the good work, all of the effort that I would try to establish to gain intimacy with God would not be enough. This is what the law did. It showed that what we bring to the table is not enough. Here's the problem with the law. It doesn't fix anything. The law doesn't restore your relationship to God. The law doesn't make you whole. The law doesn't bring healing to your life. The law doesn't bring holiness to your life, no matter how hard you try to accomplish it. And so what he's saying here is he's saying, look, when I looked at the law, I died. I realized I had nothing to bring to the table. Now, here's, here's the good news. In essence, what Paul is saying here is he said, I looked at the law and all the dependence that I had in myself went away. It dies. Pay attention. And he said it was at that moment. At that moment when all of the dependence in myself went away that I experienced life. Listen here, friends. You cannot, you will not experience faith, personal, intimate relationship with God until we are brought to the end of ourselves. Are you with me? God is not interested in going 99% of the way to have a relationship with you, and then you have to go at least 1% to make it work. That's not how the gospel works. You know why? Because 
all of the people in this room are really bad at going 1%. You know why? Because the law revealed to us that we're broken. We don't have the ability to go 1%. He goes, no, 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 no. Only when I brought you to the place where you had zero trust in yourself could you experience how much God really loves you. Think about that. Only when you are brought to a place where you realize you are as weak as weak comes do you experience all the love that God has for your life. This kind of takes everything that like we hear about in like religious circles and flips it on its head, don't it? God's going, no, 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 I want you to like see how pathetic you are, then be loved. <laughs> Think about that. Like, I, I don't want you, like, if you walked into these doors tonight feeling like, I don't really belong with this crew, God's going, yeah, now I can love you, and you can receive it. You have to hear this, friends. God is not interested in what you have to bring to the table. He's interested in transforming what you have to bring to the table. Are you with me? Faith is total, not some, not most, not a lot of. It is total dependence in Christ. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's not, not, not that we depend some on ourselves and mostly on Christ. In the words that Pastor Mateo said last week, Jesus is enough. He is enough. And so what Paul does right now then is he begins to speak to what the reality is for those who are in Christ. Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by total dependence. Did you, did you catch that? Did you catch that? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ, the Son of the living God, who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, the life I live day in and day out, the life that I live where I fail every day, where I fall short every day, where I'm broken every day, where I'm in need of God every day, that life I live in total dependence upon the God who loved me and gave himself for me. Are you with me? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I mean, think about how this, like, have you ever had a moment in your life where, like, you realized the truth and it changed everything? Let me give you an example. Where are my iPhone users in here? Who, who uses iPhone? The rest of you need God for real, okay? Like, okay, here's, here's the thing. I used, I used to do so much work on my phone, so much work. I mean, I send emails on my phone. I'm sending texts on my phone. I'm, I'm filling out all of these surveys. I'm, I'm filling out, like, student references for college and, and all of that stuff on my phone when I worked. And I would have this thing where I'd, I would be sitting there typing, and I would have written out, like, a, like a 200, 300-word email, page reference, whatever it was, and then I'd be highlighting it, Right? To copy and paste it from, like, notes, like, into the actual thing. You know what I mean? Because, like, you want to make sure you do it right. And instead of clipping, pushing copy, I would hit delete. 
For years, I didn't know you could shake the iPhone and push undo. <laughs> I would spend hours retyping something up because I just deleted it, not knowing that there was a genius out there named Steve Jobs. I don't know if it was Steve Jobs. You shake the phone. Would you like to undo what you just deleted? Does anybody in here not know that that's possible? I just saved you hours. Hours. All the Android users are like, that's right, loser. We don't have that. Think about it. Think about how like, oh my gosh, I'm spilling water. Think about how life-altering, life-altering it is when you realize truth when you've been living under a lie. You with me? Like you're like operating under a certain way and then all of a sudden you realize, wait, life is actually not like that. I mean, like we're, we're kind of like fascinated we're like fascinated with like this type of stuff in our world today, right? I mean, you, you see like books and movies and all of these things coming out where like you have people living in like this certain reality, but it really isn't reality. I mean, like you look at all of like the teen movie series that are coming out, like the Divergent series, right? Like you, you watch a series and it's like, they're, I don't even know what it is. It's like the people who do backflips off trains, the people who wear nothing but gray clothing, the people who are really smart, right? I don't even know what they're called. And they're all living in this, like, you have to choose one way to live. And it's like, wait a minute. Everything that we grew up under, everything that we believe is not true. This is what Paul's getting after here. He's going, look, 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 look. I know you think, I know you think that because you look at the world around you, and when you pull up social media, and you see everybody has their lives together. And I know that when you come to church, there's, there's that certain group of friends who, like, seem completely locked in during worship. I mean, they're going for it. They're, like, they're like leaning in, and they're bringing their paperback Bible. And, and I know that, I know that when you, you go home and you look at your parents, this is what your parents expect of you. And this is what your parents want of you. And, and, and you're trying to maybe live up to that standard or maybe you're just trying to give up on that standard altogether because you don't trust your parents, you don't know your parents, you don't have a good relationship with your parents. But all of these things, you add them all together. He's going, no, 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 no. Don't you understand, brother, sister, that when your total dependence is in Christ, you have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer what you have done, it is no longer what you are doing, and it is no longer what you will do that is, has placed your relationship, your intimacy with God on those things. No, no, no. Your intimacy with God will forever and always be rooted in what Christ has done for you. You with me? Faith is total dependence on God. But then this is what Paul does. This is, this is how fun he is. He pivots right here at the end of Galatians 2 into Galatians 3, and he begins to address the doctrine, the false doctrine that he's seeing at play in the church of Galatia. And I love the way he starts chapter 3. Look at this. Galatians 3, he says, oh, foolish Galatians. Paul's a salve, man. He's a straight salve. Oh, foolish Galatians. Let me give you this. Definition of a fool. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to fall. 
Definition of a fool. A man or a woman whose confidence is in themselves. You with me? I know, sometimes we have an ambiguous definition for faith. Sometimes we have an ambiguous definition for fool. But if I could simplify it, it's this. The definition of a fool is a man or a woman whose confidence is in themselves. Paul saying, oh foolish Galatians. That's not a who. <laughs> I didn't put these slides together. That's the new regime. Pastor Mateo, you need to have a talk with Nani. Who? Everyone say who. Yeah, that's right. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that you... I need to take a drink. Hold on. I'm trying to yell my way past the moment, and I can't. Okay. Uh, keep going. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly betrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Pay attention here. Did you receive the spirit? Everyone say spirit. By works of the law or by hearing with total dependence? Did you come to the place where you were able to receive God, by your ability to do good things, or did you come to the place where you were able to receive God when God brought you to the end of yourself? And who was the one who began that work? Did you receive? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the what? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Who is the one who begun the work in you to have total dependence in Christ Jesus? Do you see it? Having begun by what? Pay attention here. This is important. Because some, some people come to church and they go like, all those Christians, they, why do they worship like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? Are they one God? Yes, they are one God. They are one God. The Holy Spirit, he's alive. And he gives life. And hear me, the only way, the only way anybody can confess Jesus Christ as Lord in this room is if the Holy Spirit gives them life. Are you with me? And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, 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 look. Those of you who have placed your confidence in yourself, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who told you that? You had to be totally dependent in God. And now that you were totally dependent in God, you have to start depending on yourself. Who told you that? He's like, that wasn't the spirit who begun that good work in you. And Paul echoes these words in Philippians 1.6 when he says, he who began a good work in you is what? Does anybody know? Let's put it up here. That's not Philippians 1.6. There it is. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. The spirit who gave you life, who brought you to a place where you would totally depend in God, he's faithful to finish that work in your life. You know what this means? Pay attention. You know what this means? 
It means that your salvation didn't begin dependent upon you, and it won't be sustained dependent upon you. You with me? This is good news because we're all bad at sustaining things. You know how I know? None of y'all know how to last in a relationship. Oh, don't even. Don't even. I come back after three months, and it's like, what is going on? You know, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Shh, 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 shh. That's the case for all of us. Listen to me. Listen to me. Saddle. Saddle. We don't know how to sustain things. You know why? Because we're not God. We're not God. And you know what reveals that you are not God and that I am not God? The law. Showing us that no person in this room is perfect, and yet every person in this room is in need of perfection. Nobody in this room is perfect, and yet everybody in this room is in need of perfection. Now pay attention here. This is where it gets interesting. Can I get Holly and Victor to go ahead and come on up? Paul pivots here in verse 3. I want you to watch this. He said, did you suffer so many things in vain. Can everybody in the room close their eyes real quick? Just think about what Paul's doing right now. He says, look, we know that we've been justified by total dependence in Jesus Christ and not by our works. We died to the law so that we might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in my flesh, I live by total dependence in the God who loved me and gave himself for me. And Paul looks at them, keep your eyes closed, and he says, who, who got you to believe something different? Who got you to believe that you needed, you needed to carry your salvation forward on your own instead of trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Who did? And then he makes an interesting pivot. As he calls them fools, he says, did you suffer in vain? What Paul is doing right now is he's beginning to point at the pain in their lives. Keep your eyes closed. He said, did you suffer? Did you endure pain in vain? I want you to keep your eyes closed. If you're honest with the Lord right now, everybody's eyes are closed. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you ask God, why have you allowed pain in my life? Why have you allowed relational pain? Why have you allowed physical pain? Why have, you, why have you allowed mental pain? Why have you allowed global pain? If you've ever wondered that question with the Lord, can you raise your hand? Eyes closed. Ever wondered that question? Why do you allow pain? Why are you suffering? Put your hand up. Look at me. Why does God allow pain? 
why does, why does Paul point to pain when he's talking about faith? He's saying, look, those of you who put your confidence in yourselves, those of you who are depending on yourself, don't you remember your pain? You know why Paul is pointing to pain? Listen to me. Because pain makes us dependent. Pain makes us realize that we are not capable of healing ourselves. Pain helps us realize that we need something outside of ourselves for healing. Right? When Josiah broke his fibula, odds are he knew he's not going to be able to continue playing soccer this season. And before he gets back up and he kicks a soccer ball with that leg, you know what's going to have to happen to that leg? It's got to heal. And in order for it to heal, he's going to need help. I want you to hear me. In order for any person in this room to experience salvation, to experience a personal, intimate relationship with God, you are going to need help. I am going to need help. And I love this from Paul because what it does for us is it helps us not to despise our pain. It helps us not to avoid our pain. It helps grant purpose to our pain. It helps us thank God for our pain. Why? Because when I endure pain, when I embrace failure, what am I doing? I'm realizing that I'm totally dependent. I have, I have nothing to bring to the table. The men, the women who take this pulpit, who lead you at this church, they're men and women in need of a God just as much as you are. They don't live a more holy life than you do. They don't live a more perfected life than you do. They live lives in need like you do. And that's the beauty of the body. Is when we gather here, we begin to realize that God made us all with a need. He made us all with a need. And the work of the Spirit, I mean, catch this. If that is true, then this is what that means, that the work of the Spirit is to strip us of our confidence in ourselves. That's how you can spot a mature believer, is somebody who has no confidence in themselves. That's how you can spot somebody who's walked with Jesus for a long time. It's not that... They seem closer to him, but that over time, they've realized that their need is greater and greater for him. So if you've walked into this room tonight and you're going, nothing about my life is even close to a life worthy of walking in a church, then I'm telling you, you are in good company with the God of the universe. And the Holy Spirit wants to breathe life on your life and hear me he wants to sustain it can you stand with me
is what I want to do. If you're willing, I want you to find a, find a spot away from your friends. Anywhere in the room. Take a seat. Take a seat on the floor. Seat on the wall. By yourself. Just find a spot. Here's what I'm going to do. The leaders here, they're just going to be pacing around praying for you. I don't want you to worry about them. They might come up to you. They might lay their hands on you. That's fine. If you don't want them to, just smack it. Okay? Say move on. But away from your friends, find your own spot. And then once, once you're there, I want you to bow your head. I want to ask you a question. ask you a question. Eyes closed. I had a pastor ask this question to me in the last several months, and I haven't got away from it, especially in the season of life that I'm in right now. And I want to ask it to you tonight. Here's the question. What has God allowed in your life right now that is making you aware of your weakness? What has God allowed in your life right now that, has, that is making you aware of your weakness? What is it? It could be a plethora of things. It could be an addiction that you're wrestling with that you can't get free of. And you've prayed and you've prayed and you've pleaded, and yet this wrestle is still there. It could be that your parents are going through divorce right now and your, your home is miserable. It could be illness, it could be sickness either in your life or, or in the life of a family member or in the life of a friend. It could be your life at school right now. You hate school. You feel alone. It could be your own mind right now. Wrestling with depression, wrestling with any form of anxiety or fear, loneliness, what has God allowed in your life right now that is making you aware of your weakness? And this is what I want to ask you to do in faith. This might be really hard. But in light of what we heard tonight, if faith is total dependence, if it means that your relationship and your intimacy with God is not contingent upon you, but it's contingent upon the finished work of Jesus Christ, what I want to ask you to do is this. I want you to thank God for that weakness. Thank him for it. Not because you like it. Not because you want it. Not because... That might be what God wants for you. No, 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 that's not the reason. I want you to thank him for it. Because what it is doing 
is it's revealing to you that you have a need. What it's revealing to you is that God wants to reveal himself to you. What it's revealing to you is that God wants to give you faith. Thank God for it. Thank God for it. And here's what I want to ask you to do while you're thanking God for it. Pay attention here. I want you to stop judging yourself for it. Stop judging yourself. If the God of the universe no longer looks at you for your weakness and for your brokenness, if the God of the universe no longer looks at you for what you have done, for what you are doing, and for what you will do, then stop looking at yourself that way. When the God of the universe looks at you, he sees you in Christ. Perfect. Spotless. Blameless. What I want you to do with your eyes closed right now, we're just going to take a moment. We're not going to rush. We're going to let Holly and Victor just play over them. They're going to sing. They might just play their instruments. What I want you to do just by yourself with the Lord right now is continue to ask the Lord, Lord, what, what have you given me <laughs> to make me aware of my weakness? I want you to ask the Lord to help you to stop judging yourself. And I want you to thank God for what he's given you. Take some time. You and your heavenly Father. In just a minute, Pastor Mateo, come.